Super Talk Mississippi Media Production. You're listening to Thunder and Lightning on Super Talk Mississippi. Covering Mississippi State sports like nobody else. Sports Talk Mississippi's Brian Haydad, along with Robbie Falk from 24-7 Sports, give you an inside look at the Bulldogs on the field, the court, and the diamond. Now, get ready for Thunder and Lightning. This is Thunder and Lightning here on Super Talk Mississippi. Brian Haydad and Robbie Falk here with you on a Monday morning. Thanks for joining us at supertalk.fm or wherever it is that you get podcasts from. We appreciate all you guys out there. Our great listeners, especially our servicemen and women out there taking care of us. I want to thank our sponsors over at Strange Brew Coffee House and Churn and Spoon Ice Cream. Start your day the right way with a trip to the drive-thru over at Strange Brew Coffee House here in Starville or at Brupolo over in Tupelo. I mean, he's he's already got a location there, but it would still be a little weird if Brupolo was in Philadelphia. Does he have a location there? Well, he's got the yeah, Woody's is there, right? <clears throat> Woody's is, that, is in Noxapater. Noxapater. Well, I guess that's it's close enough. And it, is that technically? The I mean, gold. I know it's in the family, but we—I'm just saying a strange brew at the Golden Brune Resort. I am a little surprised that Shane hasn't gone with, with Philly because that's his stomping grounds. Yeah, but you know, a strange brew inside the Silver Star or the Golden Moon. I mean, you printing money at that point? That's a million dollar idea, Robbie Falk. Maybe even maybe even put a booth out there at the uh, at the Neshoba County Fair. Okay, now hold on. I've never been to the Shelby County Fair, Fair, as you know. I've never been. Have you really not? I've never been. But I do know one thing about the Neshoba County Fair. It is hotter than Satan's butt crack out there. What on earth are you doing drinking coffee? Well, you have Churn and Spoon. You have Churn and Spoon, maybe. You get the iced coffee, but goodness gracious, you got to be careful. People still drink coffee in the morning over there, though. It's a very, I mean, you got to, after those long nights, me like, saying that that about Satan's butt crack. I got a, I heard a country phrase today that I have never heard before that I'm gonna start using. I want to see if you've heard it because you're a little more country than I. Am. So somebody said this today. I I heard this and I want to see if you ever heard it. He's so dumb he couldn't throw his hat on the ground if he gave him three tries. <laughs> I've never heard. that. I've never heard that, but I am gonna use that. I I can't wait for Richard to say something dumb, <laughs> so I can just jump in there with that. All right, I love, I love I love those old country oh, sayings. I love them. love them. Wherever you are in our great state, if you're looking for Strange Brew Coffee, you just got to order it online. Strangebrewcoffeehouse.com. Get it shipped right to your door. You can have it every single morning at strangebrewcoffeehouse.com. College Corner. CollegeCornerStore.com is the place to find the maroon and white merchandise that you are looking for. Whatever it is for yourself, for your house, your car, your tailgate, They've got you covered. Two locations in the Jackson area. They're originally by Fleet Feet. They're in Florida by the Half Shell. You can always shop online at collegecornerstore.com. Valentine's Day is coming up. Get your get your Valentine something maroon and white. Get something closer. You're getting closer to baseball season. Get something new for the uh, for the left field lounger to wear out into the stands this year. Get it at College Corner. I had a, a certain new football coach reach out to me today, and he was like, I want to get breakfast in this town. Where should I go? I was like, just hold out for like an hour. Don't get breakfast on Sunday. Go get brunch at restaurant, Tyler. Best brunch in town and, of course, best lunch in town. And it's kind of surprising because it's also the best dinner in town. It's all three of those things in one location. 
Uh, so when you're looking for a great meal, no matter what time of day it is, Restaurant Tyler is the go-to. Great country cooking during the day, and of course, great white tablecloth southern cooking at night. It's Restaurant Tyler. Play the song. Well, Robbie, Mississippi State decided to have its say in the transfer portal on Sunday, finally getting some pieces on the offensive side of the ball. Let's start with the receiver, Freddie Roberson. This is an experienced receiver, over 100, well over 100 plus catches in his career, well over two, close to 2,000 yards in his career. Uh, a guy who has really uh, dominated at the FCS level, now coming to the SEC. State needed, we, we talked about state, you know, if they were going to get a receiver, they needed to get a proven commodity, a guy that, you know, you, you, you're not taking a chance on, you feel like you're getting proven production. That's what they've got here with Freddie Roberson. And now this receiver room should be complete going into the uh, the spring. You know, this was a guy that a lot of people wanted, like, very early mm-hmm. in the process. Shout out to dog season. He, he spoke guy. it into existence. I mean, he was the number one ringleader of getting Freddie Roberson to Mississippi State. I'm going to give him all the credit. But um, this was a guy that was that was wanted by a lot of people on our message board when he entered. Mm-hmm. And it was because of the production. Anytime you see a guy from this lower level that's got, you know, 2,000-plus career yards, he's caught nearly 20 touchdowns, that's going to raise an eyebrow. Um, you know, this isn't a guy that was at a power five school and, you know, has was a four star coming out of high school or anything like that. But to me, a lot of times taking guys from the lower level that have been more productive is the way to go than taking a guy that might have been a four or five star coming out of high school and hasn't Agreed. played yet on a power five le- level. Agreed. That's kind of the, you know, the process that I thought Chris Lamona should follow. And he, I mean, he pretty much did with the baseball team and the guys that he went after. Mm-hmm. You get guys that have produced, that have played a lot of football, that have played a lot of baseball, um, I guess, uh, referring to Chris Monas. But you get those guys that have produced at a very high level. They've been, you know, star players for their team. Those are guys that it's going to be an adjustment, obviously, coming to the SEC. But catching a football is catching a football, Brian. Yeah. I mean, winning one-on-ones is going to be more difficult for him on this level than it was at Eastern Washington. But if you can catch, you can catch. You can get open a lot of times. You can get open. So I'm excited about this. Um, you know, this past year, he would have been, with his numbers, he would have been state's leading receiver. Right. 797 yards receiving, seven touchdowns, 45 catches. Had basically the same type of season last year. So you're getting a very productive player. And it feels like he can slide right into the role that's a vac- that was vacated uh, by Ra Ra Thomas. And when you, you look at state starting receivers for next year <clears> – <throat> You know when you're when you look at that too deep, and and I, I don't want to position anybody just yet because I don't know how Barbe is going to want to work that, and and you know where he's going to. We we feel like there's going to be some people moving around, but you know if I said your top six receivers are Tulu Griffin, Xavion Thomas, Justin uh, uh Robinson, sorry I forgot his, forgot his name there for a second, Freddie Roberson, and and then you know who else are we going to get into here with Rufus Harvey and, and Jaden Wally, right? That's your first six. That's pretty strong. Solid. That's pretty strong, for, especially when we talk about Mississippi State. Because you know, you're not going to play near 
no. guys that you did no. in their raid. Those are the six guys, basically, unless somebody like Marquez Dortch or, uh, you know, like a, a, one of the freshmen coming, like a Justin Brown or something, just really is impressive, impressive in spring or, or in, a, in in fall camp. That's probably your six guys. So that's as good as six. You know, outside of the elite receiving rooms, that's certainly as good as you're going to find in the SEC. So that that this was this was not a pick. It was more of a luxury. I think getting Roberson was more of a luxury. You didn't have to have another receiver, but getting one of this quality, at least on paper, it, it's just a no brainer. There's no doubt. Yeah, I was looking. I was trying to see what he did against more comparable talent. And, you know, obviously he his first few years didn't play, you know, murderer's row. He, right. he went playing a ton of SEC teams. But, I mean, last year he played this, – this past year he played Oregon and had three catches for 33 yards and a touchdown. And he played Florida, and he had four catches for 62 yards. So, um, and then on his level – Top ten team Weber State, and he had two catches for twenty six. Not super impressive, but he had one hundred ninety two yards last year against uh, Idaho, the uh, the Vandals. Idaho, is that correct? Yeah, is that, is I that think legit? Idaho State is the Vandals. Let me let me check. Is it? Let me check. Oh, I hate to be that guy that doesn't get the. I, you know, I yell at people for getting State and Ole Miss. Nope, messages. they are the Vandals. Good job. Okay. Good job. Okay. But what is Idaho State then? They're the Bengals. There is that like a is that like a division two? They're FCS. Okay, which is what Eastern Washington yeah, is, right? Yeah, yes. okay. they're probably in the same conference. If I had to guess, playing out there in the Pacific Northwest, he had against Idaho. He had nine catches for 192 yards. Yeah, and two touchdowns. This is a guy. He averaged almost, I think, 17 six a catch. I mean, th- that's what State's offense was. Now, a lot of that is by design. But that's what Ra Ra Thomas gave you was a guy who could get 15, 16 yards a catch. So you yeah. brought in a guy who on paper can do that for you. So that's a good pickup for Mississippi State. State's I other agree. target offensively at this time, obviously, was trying to, to improve its quarterback depth. Uh, and we talked about that. That was going to be difficult. And then I think they I think they did about as well as you could have hoped for uh with the with the situation. Uh not wanting to overspend on NIL or anything like that. And getting Mike Wright from Vanderbilt because I think not only does he provide you quality depth, but he provides you with something that Will Rogers doesn't have. Quite quite frankly, he he's a mobile guy. He's a guy that, at the very least, you you have to imagine there will be some packages for some play calls for, and maybe a guy who's a good enough athlete to give you some help elsewhere on the roster. But if nothing else, now you're not going into the spring with just two quarterbacks. This is this is another good pickup for Mississippi State. Yeah, I thought so too. Just getting a guy that's been a starter in the SEC is big. I, I don't anticipate him winning that battle, but who knows? He's going to have a shot. Um, but uh, definitely going to be a guy that's much more of a threat with his legs, but he's capable. He can throw the ball around a little bit. Mm-hmm. You would have to change up some of what you're doing offensively. We've the last. Um, couple of years, I think, with, with Barbe, there hasn't been a ton of quarterback runs, right? Um, designed, but I think he's a coach that is probably smart enough that he can do whatever it takes, you know. And we we've seen that. You go look at his stats. He, there's there's some games where he threw the ball fifty plus times, 
There's some games where he threw the ball 15 times. And I imagine he, he will approach using the quarterback similarly. If he has a guy in there like Mike Wright that is much more capable as a runner, then he's probably going to use him in the running game a little more than he does in the passing game. But uh, 2,000 career passing yards um, started on and off the last couple of years. Um, and then, you know, almost 1,000 yards rushing. Mm-hmm. So I think he's a guy – If you know, I, I'm setting up a package in the red zone with two – with with a running back in the backfield and an up back, maybe you know, whoever comes back, you got Simeon Price as an up back and Jahavis Marks in the backfield or whatever, and, and Mike Wright back there. It's going to be very difficult to stop that. Yeah. So there, there's several things that you can do with Wright, and you could also I I want to say he's got a redshirt year available. Yeah, it's three so, to play two is what I, I think I saw on uh on from so Paul. With that being the case, if he doesn't win the job. And he's not a, a you know a guy that you're putting packages in every game this year, right? Very easily redshirt him, and he can be a guy that competes for the starting job next year. So you got some options there. He's not just a guy that you're just renting for a year. I saw a great best case scenario for him. Uh, a friend of mine said that he could be like a Taysom Hill guy that you have yeah. the packages for, but also a guy that you could just put out there under center and say go run the offense for a series or two. You know, and then and, I don't, I don't and he's know good enough he, as a passer. Yeah, I don't yeah. know that he's going to be out there playing receiver or tight end or anything like that. But the be that jack of all trades that this offense, quite honestly, c- could use, could use a guy like that. So I've, I've again, I think that's an outstanding pickup. Now that Mississippi State has its offensive staff in place, and I guess we should talk about that because we, uh, you know, they announced that on Friday, um, all the all the changes that were going to get made. But that's a good pickup. Yeah, Mississippi State. Everything's now set in place. Defensively, Robbie and I had it taken care of. We you know we told you Brett Dewhurst was going to get promoted, and that is the case. So that staff on that side of the ball, Turner, Brock, McBath, uh, Dewhurst, those are your four defensive uh, coaches on that side of the ball. Offensively, Zach Arnett had one more ace up his sleeve, uh, and that was to bring in Mike Schmidt as a offensive line coach. So State has, and I'm not entirely sure, Robbie, how this is going to work. And you may have to clue me in a little bit, but because you have Will Friend, who's listed as the offensive line coach, and then you have Mike Schmidt, who's listed as the offensive tackle, tight ends coach, and the run game coordinator. So who is in charge of who there? It it seems like it's like Will Friend is the offensive line coach. Mm -hmm. And Mike Schmidt is assisting with the offensive line in a way, but he's working on the outside guys. And I figure he's probably going to be more of a tight ends coach, if I had to guess. Yeah. And Will, you know, when he's teaching the tight ends, you're probably going to see Will Friend spending a lot of time with the offensive line. Um, not entirely sure, but we've seen this before. I think Dan Mullen, uh, Urban Meyer did it at Florida mm-hmm. when Dan Mullen was offensive Jackie coordinator. Jackie Sherrill did Henson. it as well. Jackie Sherrill did it. So it's not completely uncommon. You know, Mississippi State had two wide receiver coaches. People have two guys coaching similar positions on mm-hmm. their staff, so it's not entirely. I mean, just last year, Robbie, they were inside and outside receivers. Exactly. So, you know, it's. I think when all of that came out by Mississippi State, it, it, initially it made no sense. And there was a lot of people that were upset about it or whatever, but I think when it was explained a little more by Mississippi State and the titles were given out, I think people started to understand it a little more. 
mm-hmm. and it, it makes it makes sense to me. Um, but I look at that staff. I mean, you, you look at what they did with bringing Greg Knox in, mm-hmm. Tony Hughes over to running backs. Like, yeah, let's let's wrap that up real quick before you then let you go on what you want to say. But Tony Hughes is the one who moves to running backs coach, uh, and. And then Greg, you mentioned Greg Knox. He's been hired as senior offensive analyst. Jason Washington, who we thought was going to stay at running backs coach, has been moved off the field to director of player development. So go on with what you were going to say about Knox, because that's a hire I really like. Yes, and, and what you do there is you bring in an experienced running backs coach that can kind of assist Tony Hughes. And I'm not you know, expecting Tony Hughes to have a lot of issues there, but he's never coached the position. So you got a guy that can help him out a little bit if he has a question about, you know, what's the best technique for this? How should I, you know, I think Greg Knox is going to be a valuable asset there. And you've got Greg Knox and, you know, uh, an analyst role, which I think, I mean, you get, anytime you get a guy that's uh, been coaching in the SEC for 10 plus years at a certain position, that's a big deal mm-hmm. to get him in as an analyst. So, and then Tony Hughes being able to keep him on board, that's that's great too. So What's and he- also I was gonna say about Jason Washington. Mm-hmm. We all wanted Jason Washington to have an on the field job, and I hate that he doesn't have one. And hopefully mm-hmm. he's being well compensated to to be able to do this position. But I think this is position is is a great one for him. Just for his personality. Director of player development is a guy that is kind of jack of all trades within the um, athletic or within the football program and very important in keeping the team together, keeping everybody in good spirits, making sure everybody's doing what they got to do. Like he's a guy that really invests in in the guys that he's around Mm -hmm. having him fully involved in the entire team. I don't know if there's a better guy to do that. Yeah. So while that might be, considered a demotion going from on the field to off the field. I, I get that. And I'm sure that it's, it's been something that probably um, it might not sit well with Jason, but I think that he's a great fit for that position. And, you know, I'm sure he can do some recruiting on campus and things like that too. I mean, he's yeah. an excellent recruiter, so you hate to take him off the field, but Having him within the athletic department, within the football team, uh, in that role, I think is almost as good as him being on the field because of just how valuable he is mm-hmm. in building those relationships with players. And he's going to keep some guys dialed in and things like that. I think that's a great move for them. And to be able to convince him to do that is what's so important for Mississippi State and for Zach Arnett. He's, it's like he's backed up everything along the way. Yeah. You know, if you know if there's some concerns about something, he's had a backup. Like concerns about if you have a concern about Tony Hughes being a running backs coach, we just hired uh, the guy that was a running backs coach for nearly ten years here mm-hmm. to be an offensive analyst. Uh, you know, you have some concerns about Will Friend on the offensive line. Well, you got another guy that's been an offensive line coach as well, and those guys can bounce off a lot of ideas. So it's just a really, really strong staff, top to bottom, like. What I've said is the the staff as a whole, they can recruit, they can evaluate, they can develop, they can teach. And yep. if you're checking all those boxes, you got a pretty dang good staff. From a recruiting perspective, 
This is you know, at least on the field. I mean, you know that he, you know, Hughes, Turner, and Friend already have great reputations as recruiters. And Bumpus uh seems to have a lot going for him as a recruiter. Brock has been a good recruiter. McBath's recruiting has taken an uptick as well. Yeah. And then also from an off the field recruiting perspective, the combination of Brad Peterson and Jason Washington, that's a very solid group. I mean, Washington was already a good recruiter, and then you mentioned his strengths with player development and then, you know, and, and having relationships with players. And then as far as relationships with high school coaches, nobody's going to be better at that than Brad Peterson. Zach Arnett has made it clear that recruiting is going to be something he takes very seriously at Mississippi State, and you can see that in these staff hires. One last uh, piece of news from the football front, and that's a piece of news that we can't give you any kind of confirmation on, but there's a lot of signs, a lot of reading between the lines that Dylan Johnson's going to return uh, to Mississippi State. Uh, and so much so that Freddie Roberson told Paul Jones in his commitment story that he spent a lot of the weekend talking with Dylan Johnson. You've been reporting on this. You and Paul have had all this great information. Uh, what's the latest on Dylan Johnson? I, I assume at this point you do expect him back in Starkville. Leaning that way, um, a couple of weeks ago, I got a phone call by someone that was interested to know what was going on with Dylan Johnson. I, you know, I was just like, well, I mean, I guess he's he's going to Washington. I hadn't heard anything new. And he said, well, he's very like there's Mississippi State really wants him back. And I think they're working to get get him back. So I reached out to Dylan and asked him that. And he said that State was still looking at him. He was no longer locked in with Washington. He was still looking at a lot of other places. He had not closed the door on Washington, but it's pretty clear he's not going there. Mm -hmm. um, but, you know, I got word on Saturday, reported on the board, he was on campus. I had no clue he was coming down this weekend, but he was on campus for, I think, Friday night and Saturday, and I think he might have left this morning. So he spent all weekend talking to the coaches, talking to the players, spending time with everybody. Uh, Freddie Roberson even mentioned in his story with Paul about spending time with Dylan, Dylan and giving him some good advice and things like that. So, um, you know, it appears that things are trending in the right direction of him returning to Mississippi State. And there's still, you know, South Carolina is lingering out there. Ole Miss is an option. I don't know what Auburn um, – is thinking right now, or if he's still interested in them. I know he visited there. I, I heard he might take one more visit. I'm not sure where that would be. But um, that would obviously be huge yeah. for this team. And you're talking about you get him back. The only thing that happened in the portal that was negative for Mississippi State was Ra Ra Thomas leaving. Yeah. And you basically replace him with Fred Roberson. Now, yeah. It remains to be seen if he can have the same type type of impact here. And, you know, Ra-Ra obviously had two more years left. Roberson, I think, only has one. Mm -hmm. But you went and got an outside receiver that you think is going to make an impact, and you've gotten three dudes that entered the portal that you wanted to stay to come back and really didn't lose anybody else. I mean, Javon Banks is the closest thing. And, you know, he was second, maybe third team on the defensive line. So – it would be if you get him, you have, you would have absolutely nailed it with the transfer portal uh, so far this offseason. Yeah, I agree with you 100%. And then to point out what uh, that we'll redo that stat from the other day that Paul Jones put out there that 
thousands, however many thousands have been into the transfer portal, 25 have removed their names and stayed with their team. Two have been from going to Mississippi State. This would make it three of 26. So, I mean, that's that's a it's a weird stat. It's, it doesn't make a ton of sense, but it is what it is, and it's certainly positive for State they, to have gotten two Lou Griffin and Xavier Thomas, and it would be a positive uh, to get Dylan Johnson back as well. Let's move on into the rest of the show. That's brought to you by our friends over at the Mississippi Beef Council who want to remind you that beef, it is what's for dinner. Whatever you're cooking this weekend or any other weekend or any day of the week, you can make your family the best meal by making it with beef. Family meals are always great. A big pot of chili, big pot of soup, big pot of stew. That's a great thing for your family to keep them warm during these cold winter months. But if you're also going to cook on the grill, a steak, a burger, that's always going to be the number one draft pick. So head to the grocery store, talk to your butchers, talk to your meat markets, and get some great beef on the menu at your house this week. Beef is what's for dinner. Thanks to our friends at the Mississippi Beef Council. Two Brothers Smoked Meats in the heart of the Cotton District. A friend of mine went to Two Brothers this weekend since he said the service was outstanding, the food was good. Guys, what more can I can I tell you than that? You know, it, it, It's always going to be a good time every time you're at Two Brothers. We love it. Robbie and I do. We head there. We're, we're there at least you know every other week, it seems, and you should be too. If you're headed to Starkville this weekend for basketball or you're coming getting ready to plan your baseball trips this week, this uh, this spring, you know to make sure you've got a trip to Two Brothers Smoked Meats on your agenda. Great products and great service is something every business offers. Advantage Business Systems, they deliver it, and they've been doing that for 48 years. So when you need technology for your business, call Advantage Business Systems. They've got the best names. In copiers, printers, computers, laptops, everything. And then if you do need service, you get to talk to the same people who made you the sale. Somebody here in the state of Mississippi, not across the state, across the country, or across the world. 601 area code, 601-362-9192, or visit them online at absms.com. Find out how Advantage Business Systems will help your business do business. We are just a few weeks away from baseball. It's going to be cold out there that first weekend. Time to grab a new pullover, and you want the ones that the Rogue has in their collegiate collection. The M over S is the highlighted logo. They've got some great looks, maroon, white, gray, whatever color you're looking for, they've got it at the Rogue. Check out their collegiate collection online at therogue.com or shop at the Rogue in Jackson. Don't live the three-stripe life. Shop at the Rogue. Robbie and I are going to give you a free plug here. Normally, you know, if you want to get your business... uh plugged on uh on thunder and lightning you gotta you gotta call you gotta you gotta you gotta pay you gotta pay for that kind of privilege but robbie we ate at bluto's greek tavern on uh on saturday that place is good glad to see another good restaurant here in the city of starville man it was good and i've been wanting some greek uh food in starville yeah Zorba's has been gone for a while oh it's been for forever yeah i'm a big uh euro fan um I just went to Kiefer's the other day, which somebody somebody tweeted Jackson. at me. Yeah, somebody somebody tweeted at me like Kiefer's was a bad thing. No, nah, Kiefer's good. We're not going to slander Kiefer's. Kiefer's is a good. solid establishment. But Bluto's, I was very Bluto's, impressed with the wow. quality. Big menu, uh, but they they delivered on everything. Really good food. So if you're in Starboard, make sure you go get by and check them out. That's their one and only free plug here on Thunder. Like I I also saw the uh, the Greek ambassador. Uh, here in Starkville, Chris Lamonis was there. So that's how you know it's authentic and good. We've got to figure out his thoughts on that. I'm sure it was, I'm sure everything was fine, but yeah. I, I got to get his thoughts because I'm sure. Well, he, he would know, right? Kind of sore of Greek 
yeah uh cuisine exactly so all right let's talk basketball mississippi state tough loss on saturday night to the florida gators again they saw them fall behind by as many as 16 they battled all the way back to tie it but could never get the lead uh had the ball with 12 seconds to go down two, couldn't get a final shot to fall and they lose 61 59 to the gator it's the same old same old it's the same old song and dance ssdd whatever you want to call it mississippi state just can't make enough shots to win uh, Tolu Smith, another poor game from him, 5 of 15 shooting. He actually was on the bench for most of the second half. Uh, Will McNair came in in his place, had 10 points on 5 of 6 shooting, was much more efficient. I, I want to tell you the guy who, I hate to single out a player, but Eric Reed has been a, a pretty big disappointment for me as far as I'm concerned. He, he is a guy that, you know, I, I knew that you know, he averaged, I think, 14, 15 a game last year at Southeast Missouri State. I didn't expect that, but I expected him to come in and be able to give Mississippi State a person who could shoot 35, 36% from behind the arc. He just hasn't, he has games where he's not scoring at all. He was a minus 18 plus minus on Saturday. I was over three from the field with no other, you know, stats to, to speak of. State's guards, I mean, Davis ended up having a pretty decent game and made some clutch threes down the way, but, but Reed, um, and DJ Jeffries, another tough shooting night for him. State just isn't getting enough God, from three from points in twenty eight minutes. That's Ugh. just it's brutal. It's brutal to to see what the, some of these guys are doing out there. This is just a tough loss. This is a game that they could have won. They probably needed to win because now they're going to play number two team in the nation, Alabama. Can I'm sorry, uh, TCU will probably be ranked pretty high because they just beat Kansas uh, this past weekend. In all likelihood, State's looking at being 1-7 and seven and losing 8 of 9. And we talked about, you know, how good they were in the non-conference, and we said, look, they, if they run into a tough spot, they should still be okay. But I don't think we envision them losing 8 of 9 games. But at the same time, Robbie, 6 of those 8 games have been, 6 of those 9 games will have been against top 25 teams. This is just a really tough stretch that when they come out of it, they have some opportunities, but their confidence has to be kind of at, at, at an all-time low. Well, you know, we we anticipated them, you know, losing to Tennessee, losing to Alabama. It's these games, these winnable games, mm -hmm. Auburn, Georgia, Georgia Florida. Florida. You didn't win any of them. Yeah. And it's and it's your own fault in all three. It wasn't anything that those three teams were really doing. You went over for 18 from 3 against Auburn. If you hit three of three threes, if you go 3 for 18, you win that game. You were absolutely putrid from the free throw line against Georgia. Mm -hmm. Last night, you were terrible in the first half against Florida. You got down big in the first half, and you had to climb back and actually do some things on offense in the second half. And that's this team isn't built for that. They can't have those kind of, uh, you know, bad halves. It's not, it's not conducive to getting these wins. And Florida is not some. Um, you know, unbeatable force. They're not. They're not a team that's going to be top of the conference like they have been in the past. This team was very beatable, and state just. I mean, they they messed around in the first half. Second half, I thought they played pretty well. <clears throat> really, the difference in the game, Brian, as weird as it is, was that stupid three pointer by Kugel. Yeah, state played was... an incredible possession. Did everything they're supposed to do. Even guarded the the play well, mm -hmm. and he just. Chunked it State, up and it went in. State had gotten the first bucket of the second half, had cut the lead to seven, 
had and it scored the last three possessions on dunks. Their last three, their three, they had three dunks in a row, going back to the end of the first half. And then you're right; it looks like they're going to get the ball back with a chance to cut it to five or four. And Kugel, the former MSU commitment, let's let's add that in there, uh, hits an off balance three from near half court to beat the shot clock and, and push the lead back to ten. That and that it definitely took the air out of the bubble. State was able to continue to battle and get the game tied. Then Florida takes the lead back out to 10. And at that point, I thought, okay, this is over. Give State credit. They got back into the game and then had a chance to win it there. I asked Chris Jans about possibly calling a timeout. I I thought his answer was good. He says, you know, maybe with four or five seconds left, I would have called timeout. But with 12 seconds, you know, you feel like they're going to to be struggling to get back on defense. Let's go. And he he said, we got a, a good look from DJ. And then had a great chance at a follow-up from Cam Matthews. He said, I don't think we could have gotten two better looks coming out of a timeout than we did well, let's, in let's transition. Let's be honest. Mm-hmm. He could have called the perfect play. Yeah, it may not have mattered. And it wouldn't have mattered. They just let him. I mean, you have a 50%, 50 probably 50% chance of scoring mm-hmm. on that, or, or worse on that possession, no matter if you called a timeout or not. Mm-hmm. You're either going to score or you're not. So... And the, and the execution has just not been there for this team anyway. So the play, what's the matter? I thought yeah. DJ Jeffries was right there. I mean, he could have yeah. very easily made that. That was, made that shot. Was, and the follow up shot was a really good look. He just it just yeah. didn't it just didn't fall. There was I, nothing other, wrong with that possession. It just didn't happen. The other thing that sort of struck me, and I, again, I asked Jans about this, was you know, State has been pretty consistent in getting to the line twenty times. Now they're not making those shots, but they're getting to the line at least. And you know, they shot, I think, what, 7 of 11 last night? If they had shot you know, 20 free throws and had made 13 of them, again, that's enough to win. So, you know, State didn't do as – I don't know if it was something that Florida did or something that State didn't do, but they just didn't get to the line enough last night. But, that again, that goes back to what we've been talking about, that State's game plans have been good. Getting to the free throw line 20 times in a game is winning basketball because you should get 15 to 16 free points out of that. And then State, when you take their three-point shots out, is a pretty decent shooting team. But it's just the, the they can't shoot from deep, and as we've said before, that's not something that they can fix midseason. There's no trade deadline where they can send somebody, you know, Tolu Smith and and a, and a scholarship to be named later to get a couple of a perimeter shooters in here. So they're just going to have to kind of suffer through it this week, and then next, you know, next week when they when they're out of this this stretch where they're playing all these top twenty five teams, we'll see if they can start finding some wins when they're playing the South Carolinas, Vanderbilts. And old misses of the world again. So that's where be, you'll have to rack them up. You're going to have to get some wins there. You know, I think the net's down in the 60s at this point. I mean, it's 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 going to be very very tough. I think right now you would say they're not in, and they're they're going to have to work to get back in. Uh, but it's going to and the, the the thing is now you're one in what you're one in six in conference play to get to nine and nine. You got to go seven and three the rest of the way. I would be very surprised if that happens, but. We'll have to see. They'll have to play those games and see what happens. All right. We are making a big effort to get some guys, some of the new coaches on with us this week here on Thunder and Lightning and on Sports Talk Mississippi. So we will be trying to do that. Uh, I think we're scheduled to talk to Zach Selman this week as well on Sports Talk Mississippi. So I'll let you know and we'll keep you uh, posted on when that's going to happen. And there'll be plenty to talk about this week on top of basketball. Uh, there'll probably be some more portal stuff to talk about, more recruiting stuff to talk about. And we'll have some baseball as well as we get closer and closer to uh, to first pitch. So a big week coming up on Thunder and Lightning. Can't wait for you guys to be here with us. For Robbie Falk, I am Brian Haydad. Thanks for listening to Thunder and Lightning on Super Talk Mississippi.
Super Talk Mississippi media production.